0: The following sermon is brought to you by thepreachersvault.com, bringing old-time preaching to a new generation. We have come with open hearts, oh let the ancient words impart. Friends, it's great delight and joy to see each of you here tonight. We realize that there are many other places that you could be and other things that you could be doing. And I hope and pray that when you leave, you will have been able to say it's been good for us to be here and that you've made the proper choice And coming here tonight to worship God in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. And part of that worship is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our lesson tonight is one that has been a controversial lesson. Um not in the new testament era of time but by the time that the bible was translated from original language into various tongues it has been a matter of contention so uh, such a matter of contention that the church of england would not permit it to be translated from the greek into english it was a word that was transliterated and by that we mean that the word baptism was given an English spelling baptizo now if everyone here tonight knew Greek we would know what baptism was if what scripture baptism was if it took Greek for us to go to heaven Ninety-five or six or seven or eighty percent of us wouldn't make it, and so something that is that is this important is clearly pointed out in the scriptures, and there is not a single solitary indication anywhere in the scriptures that no one ever argued about the action that is involved in baptism and when one was scripturally baptized into Christ. That argument was never put in, holy writ. And so the lesson tonight is going to be presented in such a way to present what the New Testament says regarding this subject. And at the end of each book, I have a sheet of paper here, just a small sheet, And all this is for is to help me gather up the facts at the end of the book. So if you would turn to the book of Matthew, we will start our study. And as you turn there, I want to again mention that tomorrow evening our lesson is going to be Faith Under Fire. It's a study of the book of 1 Peter and hope that you can come back then. We were looking for the word baptized, baptized, or baptism. The first time that this word is found in the New Testament is in the third chapter of the book of Matthew in verse number 6. And were baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. There's not an individual in this audience if they'd never heard anything about baptism that can tell exactly what was going on here. Or what baptism means. This is a reference to John. It just simply says he was bab- that people were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Then in verse number eleven, he said, "I indeed baptize you with water, unto repentance. But he that cometh after me, who, who is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire." Holy Ghost baptism was ministered only on the Apostles, Acts chapter 2. Baptism of fire is baptism of judgment and that is yet to come. Flipping across the TV dial one night, I came across Benny Hinn. And he was praying for the baptism of judgment to come. Or the baptism of fire to come. I said, this man surely doesn't understand what he's talking about. He's not prepared for judgment. And the baptism of fire is baptism of judgment. But we learn what John was doing when in verse number 6 they were baptized of him in Jordan. That's the Jordan River. And we learn the element in verse number 11 that the element was water. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. It pointed toward repentance. Unto points toward repentance. But the element was water. Now Brother Hardiman preached this uh, sermon. I want to give all the credit to him. He preached this sermon in Nashville, Tennessee at the Ryman Auditorium. And not only this sermon, but many in the series that he preached uh, in the Ryman Auditorium. The auditorium was filled to capacity. Downtown Nashville, Tennessee was wired for sound. People were sitting in their buggies and wagons and T-model Ford cars, listening on loudspeakers that had been wired throughout Nashville downtown area, so they could hear the late Brother N. B. Hardman preach sermons just like this. Brother Hardman said, "We learn from this passage that God did not authorize one to be baptized in buttermilk or honey. He had the authority to authorize whatever He wanted, but He authorized water. I indeed baptize you with water unto uh, repentance." We still do not know what the action is. The reason I began to, that I said in the very beginning, action. There's no such thing as modes. People want to talk about sprinkling for baptism. They want to talk about pouring for baptism. They want to talk about immersion for baptism. Those are not modes, it is the action that is involved. Whether or not baptism is for this purpose. Some baptize in order for a person to become a member of that church. Some baptize as an outward sign of an inward grace. And on and on the litany of things goes of reasons why that people are baptized. I have baptized people who said that they were baptized a long time ago and didn't understand what it was about. They were baptized because their mother or grandmother or granddaddy or father wanted them to do it. Well, these people voluntarily come, and they heard John preparing the way of the Lord, preaching, and he was preaching a baptism of repentance, and that baptism was in water. Verse number thirteen: Jesus came to Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Whatever this is, Jesus commanded it. If you'll read further, he was baptized. Verse uh, six, uh, number sixteen. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, though the heavens were open and unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and uh, lighting up on him. So this baptism that Jesus had now was to fulfill all righteousness. Verse 15. Because we're going to read some passages in a few moments, I'm not going to give them away. But Jesus not baptized for the same reason, the same purpose that we are? He used to baptize to fulfill all righteousness. And we'll see in a few moments what I mean. Do you realize now that we're ready to turn to the 28th chapter of the book of Matthew? And then our study of this word in the book of Matthew will have been completed. And we learn three or four new facts that we have not not yet learned. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you and along with you all the way even to the end of the world. Amen. Notice verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them therefore the untaught Cannot be scripturally baptized. This leaves out an infant. He said, "Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing." Can you feature teaching an infant regarding this matter of baptism? The Methodist Discipline, on page four hundred in section of four hundred and seventy-nine, section two hundred and seventy, paragraph one says. Let this child, or the parents of this child, have their choice of sprinkling, of pouring, or of immersion. That's foreign to the scriptures. We have one choice when it comes to the scriptures, and we learn what that choice is, and we've not learned what it is yet. But the religious world in general says this child, or the parents of this child, have the choice. They believed in infant baptism. It was brought in by the Catholic Church. It was never practiced in the first century. One cannot be baptized scripturally until they're taught. Now here, brethren, a little bit of commentary. To think that we can herd people into the church and then teach them is wrong. we got the cart pulling the dog. We'll do whatever we can do to get them in the church. Get them in the building. And we may even baptize them. And then we'll teach them. That's not what the scripture says. We're in reverse. We're backing up. We want to go forward. He said go you therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them. That is after they're taught. Baptizing them. Notice now. We learned something else. Look at the names attached to it. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go through your Bibles when you have time and mark down every time that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are attached to anything. You'll see the importance of the subject that we have under consideration. You'll it'll be underscored in your mind in a way that I could never do it in this lesson. Just go through your Bible, and I'll say it again. And whatever is said in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, write it down and see how many times that's used. But here it is in Matthew chapter 19, I'm at chapter 28, and verse number uh, 19. And so it is done in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. A second thing that we learn, it was for all nations. No one is left out. The only ones left out are those who are not teachable. Now I can give an instance of a 26-year-old man. That was not teachable. I was in a gospel meeting at a little community in Arkansas in, 19, in August of 1965. And this young man came forward one evening. And I asked him, I knew his first name. His first name was Billy. I said, Billy, why have you come tonight? And he said, I want to be baptized. By the way he pronounced that, I suspected. Something, you see. I said, well, why do you want to be baptized? He said, I want to be baptized so I can preach like you do. I said, well, that is a good compliment, but that's not a proper reason for being baptized. And then he said, if you do not baptize me and call me a... Name I can't repeat. You blankety blank, I'll kill you. My carriage father was still living. And after service we got home, he called the sheriff and asked if so-and-so was capable of really killing me. He said, yes, he's capable. He said the Secret Service has just turned him loose. He said he drew a picture of LBJ on a cross with a dagger in his heart with blood dripping down. said, we'll protect Harold for the rest of this meeting. And it was in hot August, no air conditioning in those days. They had fans, but they turned them off when services began because you couldn't hear and during the rest of that meeting, one deputy is walking up this side and one was walking down this side. Protecting me from this fellow. Now the, the sad thing is, and yet a good, I'm glad I'm able to tell you this. His mind never developed. He had the mind of about a five-year-old. You see what I'm talking about? The teachable. Look what our Lord said. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. If one has never developed, if one is an infant, if one one is too young to understand, they cannot be taught, then they cannot be scripturally baptized in the name of Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Now we're through with Matthew, but I want to gather up. What have we learned? We've learned that baptism was in the Jordan River. That people confessed that they were sinners. Number three, that water was the element. After the baptism, the Savior came up out of the water. That teaching precedes it. It is a universal matter. It is for all nations. It is done in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Ghost. And it is a baptism of repentance for or unto the remission of sin. Now you've got your book open to Matthew 28. Now look at Mark chapter 1 and verse number 4. Mark 1 verse 4. We've not learned what scriptural baptism is yet, you see. It simply says John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Well, we've already learned where John was baptizing in the Jordan River, in the wilderness. I crossed the Jordan River to General Adam Bridge in 1980 and then could have walked across it a number of times up near Jericho. Sometimes wilderness surrounds the Jordan River. And he was baptizing in in the wilderness area, in the Jordan River. But I want you to look what we learned. We learned it here in the book of Mark, the fourth verse, said it was for the remission of sins. Right there. Now we've learned something new. Baptism is for the remission of sins. For comes from a little word that means in order to. In order to obtain the remission of sins, one must be baptized. Baptism is for the remission of sin. Not because my grandmother wanted me to do it. Not because some church says you ought to be baptized as an outward sign of inward grace. Scriptural baptism is for the remission of sins. Acts 22 and 16 would describe that as washing away sins. We won't get to Acts 22 and 16 because we will have, well we will get to it but we don't don't learn anything new because of this passage. It is for the remission of sins that sins may be remitted, washed away, forgiven if you will. Alright, we're through with the book of Mark, if you'll turn to Mark the 15th chapter, or 16th chapter rather, and verse number 15, Mark 16 verse 15 and 16, Jesus tells the apostles, he said unto them, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But, now but is a word of antithesis or of contrast. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Now my friends, that didn't come from Davidson chapter 2 verse 6. This is Brother Mark as he wrote, to Gentile proselytes at Rome. And he's telling them of the great commission that Jesus gave the apostles. You go into all the world. We've already learned it was for all nations. Go to every nation in all the world. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Caruso, preach. Teaching. didascoing, The gospel of Jesus Christ. He that believeth and is baptized. Now notice what we've learned. We've learned that belief. Precedes scriptural baptism. It does not follow baptism. This baptism that we're talking about. Faith or belief precedes it. And we'll learn exactly in a moment just exactly what that faith implies as we'll read it from the Word of God. So I want to gather up again. I just gather up from the book of Mark. I gather it up from Matthew. At the end of the lesson I'll gather up all of it. We've learned that it's for the remission of sins, didn't we? Mark 1 verse 4. We have learned that belief precedes it in addition to teaching. Now I can quote all the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. Paul said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But he said, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear except there be a preacher? And how shall he preach except he be sent?" Look at what Mark said. Look at what Paul said. He said, one must hear before he can believe. And then in verse 7 he said, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now look at the commandment of the Lord. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's the teaching that produces faith that winds up in being baptized into Christ. Commanded by our Lord. Belief precedes scriptural baptism. The next time we find our word is in Luke 3.21 but we do not learn anything new. And three in 3 and verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens were open. We already learned that Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3. Well, we're through with the book of Luke. Who would have thought it? Isn't that something? You thought this lesson would take till 9 or 10 o'clock, didn't you? Well, the next time we find our passage is a passage is in John chapter 1 but we do not learn anything new the verses that we find it in verse 25, 26 they asked him and said why baptizest thou then if thou be not that Christ nor Elias, neither the what was, this was asked of John the Baptist why are you baptizing we've already learned that he was baptizing so we don't learn anything new you see then in verse number uh 26, John answered saying, I baptize with water. We found that in Matthew 3, 11. I'm just trying to demonstrate that here are some passages that use the word, but we do not find out anything new. And he said, I knew him not, verse 33, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said of me in whom I see the Spirit descending. We learned that in Matthew 3. We don't find out anything new uh, whatsoever in these verses. In John 3 and verse 23, we have our word again, but we do not have any new information. John was baptized in Anan near to Salem because there was much water there. Now people who are members of the church of Christ says that settled it right there. That settles the question right there. Well, I disagree with that. If I had a gallon bucket of water sitting here on this side of the stand and a thimbleful on this side of the stand, a gallon would be much compared to a thimbleful, wouldn't it? This is a relative term. There was much water there. But don't forget this. This is going to take on new meaning in your life in a few minutes. A 55-gallon drum of water is much compared to a gallon, isn't it? So, this does not prove what uh, Church of Christ people might say about it. You see, I'm also preaching this lesson from the standpoint of not being prejudiced toward the subject that I'm speaking on. It just simply says that John was baptizing in Aden, near Lusatum, because there was much water there. And so, uh, that is it. You know, we're through with the book of John. The next time we read of our word is in the book of Acts, in the second chapter and verse number 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now we've already learned that baptism was for the remission of sins. But here's something new that we learn. We learned that repentance is before scriptural baptism. What did Peter say? He said repent and be baptized. Now what did we learn here? We've learned that teaching precedes it. We've learned that belief or faith precedes it. We've also learned now that repentance precedes scriptural baptism. If there are sins in your life that you're not willing to repent of, you can't be scripturally baptized. Whatever those sins may be. If there are sins you won't repent of, you cannot be scripturally baptized people conduct you all night long and all day long you'll never be scripturally baptized until you repent of your sin and I'm not going to preach last night's lesson tonight we talked about last night what repentance was sorrow for sin with determination to correct it it means we must turn away from sin in godly sorrow so repentance precedes godly sorrow gifts of the Holy Spirit were gifts that could only be bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the Greek word there is proskaleo. And this word means that from a larger group of those who were baptized, there would be a smaller group that the Lord would choose to have spiritual gifts so that the church might function. This is not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This had to do with the miraculous spiritual gifts. That were prevalent in the first century. That's what we learn. From Acts chapter two and verse number thirty eight. Well, we go onward. We look in Acts chapter eight now. You think, well, the book of Acts is a book of conversions, is it? Well, we sometimes say that, but it's more than a book of conversions. We find the record of Philip going down to Samaria and preaching the gospel to them. We don't learn anything new. Look at verse number 12. But when they believed in Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Well, let me start at the back and go forward. We've already learned that it was for everyone, hadn't we? All nations, every creature, This includes men and women. Young men and young women at the age of accountability. Whose mind has developed to the point that they can hear, believe, and repent of sins that they have in their lives. Now the Samaritans heard the gospel preached. They believed the things preached. That was preached. And they were baptized, both men and women. We don't learn anything new that we did not know already. Had not already learned. However, if your Bible is laid out like mine, if you turn the page, you will see that an angel of the Lord, verse 26, spake to Philip and told him, Go to a certain place. And he rode by this man in a chariot and the Holy Spirit told Philip, Go join thyself to that chariot. And this Ethiopian nobleman was treasure under Queen Candacea of Ethiopia. And by the way, Queen Candacea was a dynasty of queens, not a single queen. It was a dynasty of queens. Like the, uh, the queen of England. A dynasty type situation. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I accept up seven man he began the same scripture as reading. And the scripture that he was reading was Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. And he preached unto him Jesus. We've already learned that that's essential. The gospel must be preached. The word must be sounded out. And as he preached unto him Jesus, the scripture says, And when they went on their way, they came to a certain water. We've already learned that water is the element, had not we? And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So when we preach Jesus, preaching baptism is essential if we're going to preach Jesus. If you preach Jesus and leave baptism out, you have not preached Jesus. Just that simple. What hinders me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with all of thine heart, thou mayest. Have we not already learned that one must believe? But now look what we learn. He said, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Here he confessed his faith in Christ. Jesus said, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you. He confessed. His faith in Christ. We have then the conversion of Saul. We don't learn anything new. Saul, then called Paul, recalls his conversion three times in the book of Acts to different individuals. And I said we'd learn when we got there a little bit more about it. Acts 22 and 16, he is recalling it. He said that Ananias told him, And now why tarish thou? Arise and be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That is, in the name of the Lord, by his authority, you arise and be baptized, washing away your sins. And I said, when we get to it, we will understand what forgiveness of sins is about. Sins are washed away washing away your sins baptism is for in order to obtain Mark 1 4 the remission of sins Acts 2 verse 38 for the remission of sins what does it mean sins washed away forgiven the sinful condition of man undone through the waters of baptism there was Cornelius Acts 10, 48, commanded to be baptized. But we've not yet learned what the action is involved. But he was commanded to be baptized. There was Lydia and her household in Acts 16. A group of women down by the riverside praying, And through the word of God, her heart was opened. And she and her household were baptized. Ever what that is. They were baptized. There was a damsel that followed Lydia. And Paul as they went about from day to day. And did this three days. Saying of Paul that he was one of the most high God. Paul didn't want the recommendation of a false teacher. He cast the demon out of her. And for this he was thrown into prison. Paul and Silas. Acts the 16th chapter. At midnight they were singing praises unto the Lord. The prison doors were jarred open. The jailer, obviously his short sword, drew his sword about to take his life. And Paul cried out and said, Do thyself no harm. We're all here. He called for a light and sprang in trembling and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He took Paul and Silas, washed their stripes, put food before them. There was evidence of repentance. Took them the same hour of the night and baptized them. We didn't learn anything new though. We've already learned those things. Now, we're through with the book of Acts. There's nothing new that is learned that we've not already learned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the first part of the book of Acts. So we turn to the book of Romans and see if the action is described in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 3. We find our word the first time. Let us look at it. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized... Into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Well, we've already learned in Matthew 28 19, we're baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Ghost. There's Christ. But we have one additional thing uh, here added that we learn. Let's read it carefully. Know ye not that so many of you as were baptized, into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. His blood is what cleanses us. That washes away our sins. We reach His blood in the waters of baptism. There's where we reach His death is in baptism. It is a crucifying, as Paul goes on to show, is a crucifying... Of the old man of sin. And we reach the blood of Christ. His death. In baptism. But what is the action involved? Look at verse number 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That, like his Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, my friends, you know, you know that that settles the matter, don't you? Is baptism a sprinkling? Look at Romans 6, verse 4, and tell me. Is baptism a pouring some water on a person's forehead? Look at Romans 6 and verse 4 and answer the question. Turn over to Colossians 2 and verse 12. I'll give you a moment to get there. Colossians 2 and verse 12. If the Bible said it once, it's enough, by the way. Buried with him in baptism wherein also you are risen with him through the faith and the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Beg with who? The Lord. Beg with him in baptism. He was raised up from the dead. We're raised up from the watery grave to walk in a newness of life Are a new creature. The American Standard says a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, the American Standard said of 1901, which is a pretty good translation of that. A new creature, a new creation. Did that happen before one went down into the water grave of baptism and was buried with his Lord in baptism, not to save the least? You can pour all the water in the state of Mississippi and Tennessee on somebody and it will not wash their sins away. You can sprinkle all the water in the state of Mississippi and Tennessee on somebody and it will not save them from their sins. But one he hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, makes that confession of faith, repents of sins, and is buried with his Lord in baptism. He's raised up to walk in newness of life. Galatians 3 verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptism is where we put on Christ. If you've not tonight been buried with your Lord in baptism for the remission of sins, you are out of Christ looking in. You have not been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Let me read the passage again. Turn to it. Galatians 3 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's no way to put on Christ without being baptized into Christ. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. Don't take my word for it. Look what the Apostle Paul said by divine inspiration. Now let me gather up briefly, all these facts. And as we begin to look at these facts, would you begin to look at your baptism and ask yourself, is my baptism scriptural? Is it according to what we have read tonight from God's holy and divine word? And in all of the cases that we have read and studied together, did you ever even see a hint of anybody arguing about whether they ought to be baptized or not? It was never a question that was argued in the Holy Scriptures. Now, here's the facts baptism was in the river Jordan now you know why don't you people confess their sins water was the element well that was what was in the river Jordan water not buttermilk or cider so it begins to make even more sense After the baptism, the Savior came up out of the water. That's a pretty good indication that he was down in the water. And we learned that, and though we did not read that part of Acts 8, it says both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, they both went down into the water. I've had people tell me that the eunuch had a jug of water on his chariot. And Philip sprinkled him with some water out of that jug or poured some on him. I've been in the Egyptian museum in Cairo, Egypt. And the one in Great Britain. And there's chariots in both places. I've never seen a jug big enough for me and anybody else to get down into. But the scripture says they both went down into the water. Does it not? Acts 8. They both went down into the water. He baptized him. They were come up out of the water. Now, you see why Matthew 3 is important? Jesus came up out of the water. Now that we learn that baptism is a bell, you understand why He needed to come up out of the water. He didn't need to stay down there. needed to come up out of the water. All these passages, once we learn the truth, take on a rigorous meaning. To us, It is a baptism that is preceded by teaching. It is preceded by faith. It is preceded by repentance. It is re- pre- preceded by confession. It is done in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Salvation follows it. Always salvation follows it. Peter told that, I'll repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Acts 2.47 The saved were added to the church. Salvation followed scriptural baptism. It was never before scriptural baptism. If you think that you were saved before your baptism, you have got a wrong thought. You didn't get it from the scriptures because scriptures show us that salvation follows baptism. Not before it. It's not an outward sign of inward grace. It's not an outward sign of inward operation that's already taken place. Salvation follows baptism. After the act is completed, there's a coming up out of the water. The act is designated in these holy scriptures as being a burial. My friends, I submit to you, that's what the New Testament teaches regarding this controversial subject of our time regarding baptism. Those passages are plain and clear. To my way of thinking and my notion about it. And my thinking and notion doesn't mount to hill of beans. But you have to have help to misunderstand the passages as clear as they are. How much clearer can a person say it than when our Lord said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned." You've got to have help to misunderstand that. Now what about your baptism? If you have been baptized. Were you baptized according to these scriptures? If not tonight you are blessed in that the Lord bid you to come unto Him I'll give you rest. Be buried with your Lord in baptism tonight. That the old man of sin May be crucified in you. And you be a new creature in Christ. Leave here tonight. A member of his body. Of his church. Of which he adds you to. I don't do the adding. And I don't do the taking away. The Lord does the adding. And the Lord does the taking away. And he told the church at Ephesus. Unless you repent. I'm going to take you away. Acts chapter 2. They had all been baptized by the Apostle Paul about 12 of them the record of which is in Acts 19 the Lord asked the church don't you want to obey the gospel tonight have your sins washed away in the precious blood of the Lamb of God that was shed on that old rugged cross that tree that the prophet said cursed is the one that hangeth upon a tree our Lord was cursed In order that we may be blessed. Now I leave that up to you. It's your choice. Look at your baptism. Is it like what we've read from the scripture? If not. We plead with you to come tonight. Right now. There's a change of clothing awaiting. The water right here behind me is ready. And we'll be more than happy. Anxious in fact. To assist you right now and obeying the gospel. Who will be the first to step out while we stand and while we stand together?